Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina, and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So JP Dumont joining the pod today, and I'm going to start directly in one particular area. Craig and I did a, first of all, how you doing, JP? Doing good. How are you guys doing? Uh, I just wanted to hear that. I just wanted to hear that French accent right off the bat. I told this story, JP, on the show, and I told a story about a night after, um, I think it was the Ottawa series, when one of our teammates, we were all out together. And it was a late night and I know there were a few guys there and I know you were there, but I can't remember what happened exactly because we were all inebriated, but someone paid a homeless guy a hundred bucks to, to, to ride his bike. And I can't remember who it was. Do you have any recollection who it was? Craig guest, Vanek, Roy and JP Dumont. I don't know why. I don't <laughs> I don't know why he threw you in the mix, but do you recall that evening and what occurred? Yeah, and he was right. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's right see. across the street from Soho. Like I remember uh, we were just standing there waiting for a cab, and there was no cab, and that guy was uh, just riding his bike, and I asked him if I just can ride his bike, and he said, like, uh, 
he said like I want twenty bucks or something like that. So like I gave him a hundred and uh, I just rode his bike for a little bit and came back with you guys. But uh, yeah, fun times. You know what I mean? Like uh, those stories, uh, they never go away. You know what I mean? It was uh, it was all respectful too, right? I mean, it was that totally harmless. Back and you had a hundred bucks. The, the man was totally down for it. You were having a good time. We were all having a good time. And I think what was what the point of this was. Uh, these two guys that were that came to this appearance, actually, they came to see Craig and I because they listened to the pod regularly. Asked, they're like, "Hey, who was it? Who rode the bike?" And I was <laughs> like, "I can't tell you." And they're like, "Come on, man, we won't tell anybody." And I said, "Okay." I said, "Because you guys are such loyal listeners." I said it was J.P. Dumont, but that stays between us. <laughs> I'm okay. I said, like I'm... I said, like I didn't do anything uh, no. that anybody else would have done with a few drinks. Listen. Hey, it was, and I, and the way I sold the story was that it was, it was completely harmless. It was like, it was, it was all in great fun. And this, and a homeless man got a crisp $100 bill and, and Riv said to me, he's like, well, why didn't you do it? I said, ah, I must've been all out of cash at that point. AJP. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, how think you doing, the bike, I don't think the bike would have made it, but <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing really good. What are you up to right now? Where are you living, and and like, what's your main focus in life right now? Well, uh, I live in Nashville. Uh, after Buffalo, I uh, played for uh, the Preds here, and uh, we uh, decided to uh, to make it home. And uh, what I do is, uh, I'm in charge, but not in charge. I, I'm trying to, you know, I'm surrounding myself with uh, with great hockey guys here in Nashville, and. Uh, um, I'm the program director for the junior Preds here, uh, youth hockey. So, uh, you know, our triple A, double A and girls hockey program. So we're doing really well. Hockey's growing, obviously, uh, uh, with everything's going on in Nashville, that really helped. So that uh, makes my job a lot easier, but, uh, it's a lot of fun, uh, try to get involved and give back in the community with hockey. So, uh, you know, having four daughters, uh, I'm really fortunate, uh, to have girls that play sports, but, uh, uh, they don't play hockey, uh, so like uh, it's my way to give back right there, like just uh, to be at the rink. Do you miss playing? Oh yeah, yeah, I do. I really do. Uh, I miss everything about it too, not just the game, right? You know, a lot of guys, a lot of friends, or a lot of guys that I see on the road while coaching, like they all say, like you know, oh man, I don't miss the game at all. I just miss like being around the boys, like you know, like the dinner before, like you know, I miss pretty much everything about it, especially, uh, you know, what I mean, like I would, I would love to. Uh, Sometimes I'm just trying to figure it out, like, you know, how the game would have been, like, for me now with the new rules and stuff like that. Because obviously, like I said, every year that you step in the NHL, you got to change your game back then. When I was uh, when I was junior, things uh, were not coming easy. But when I was 19 years old, like, uh, the game was grabbing, holding, when you find a way, right? And after that, you get your first year pro, right? I mean, like, you're playing with man, it's more stable, like, the system is more in place, but it's still grabbing and holding, you know what I mean? So, like, huge game change. The fast skater back then, you had some. The game was not made for speed. You were allowed to literally yep. grab a guy to make sure that your D partner was not going to get, you know, rock in the corner. So, you were allowed to pretty much put your stick in his stomach, or grab him by the jersey to slow him down. You know what I mean? The remember, game was not made. Remember the defenseman would always say before you went out for every period or before a game, forwards, good holdups for the D. There you go. Yeah. Just well, you look at today, like you look at today's game, JP. You know, back back when you know you started, 
in in uh, basically the late nineties. Okay. The defenseman, just for an example, you know, your, your, your fourth, fifth, sixth defenseman did not skate anywhere near what these guys are today. So you had to hold up because the skating wasn't the same. If you had, you know, you had to slow down guys because there was such a discrepancy in, in the speed and the skill level and the skating level of the players back in the late nineties, you look at, you look at the six defensemen on, on most teams in the league. Like for an example, Jacob Bryson for the Buffalo Sabres, you know, a, a fifth, sixth defenseman on the Sabres. He's possibly one of the best skaters on the entire team. And, and that's the difference of today's game. These, the, every single player that is on the ice, every single player that's on the ice in the NHL right now is a really, really good skater. Yeah. I agree. You've been around that, the two ribs. It's like coaching young kid. You know, what's the worst thing to do in practice? The boys don't want to do it, right? Boys and girls, like, you know, it's all yeah. about skating. We try to emphasize this on the drills, but every time that, like, you know, we do edge work, like, they all, like, roll their eyes, you know what I mean? And I'm trying to explain to them, it's like, listen, it's it's what's coming. If you cannot skate, doesn't matter how good your hockey IQ is, you're not going to be able to. You better, you better be a goal scorer and scoring, like, you know, five goals for every four shots that you take because yeah. if you're not you you better be skate, the next, you're not gonna be able to play you better be the next eric daze <laughs> uh dazer was a pretty good skater too like for back then you know what i mean like his body like you know he was just a monster out there but the way he shoot the puck oh my god it was such a pleasure to play with him like he was a uh, really deceiving people that uh, didn't think of that just because like you know he was so tall and and i was saying he wasn't but, pretty like, he wasn't pretty no. getting it done like his skating, but like he was fast and strong part. Like, you know what I mean? He has really strong edge and like he was a really good skater. Take us back. I don't know much about you as a player growing up. I mean, you were, I, I know this. I know you were drafted the same year as my brother and you sat, I think, two rows in front of us at the draft and I watched you go third overall. And I, I want to talk about that as we record this, you know, right around the NHL draft because there's a lot of pressure going that high. And especially going that pressure being drafted by Mike Milbury. But the question I have for you is what, how good were you growing up? I mean, what round did you get drafted in the queue? Because if you're going third overall in the draft and you're getting a hundred plus points for multiple years in the queue, you must've been a pretty dominant player. Uh, growing up, uh, you know what I mean? Like I was like right down in the middle of the pack, like everybody else, uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, for some people at Buffalo, Rochester, middle like, of know, the pack. I grew up with, yeah, I was growing. I, when I grew up, like I played with uh, Frankie Mitot, who was in Rochester now. Like, you know, me and Frankie grew up uh, playing hockey together, and uh, Frankie, uh, you know, was my sentiment. So, like, uh, obviously, I was playing the first line or second line with Frankie, depend like, you know, Mix Birch here. I was always playing with Frankie growing up. Like, I thought that, uh, you know, our team was, uh, you know, you, you play for uh, where you live, right? I mean, so back then was that way, right? I mean, like double A. So, uh, yeah, there's uh, no all star teams nowadays. No kids traveling no. <laughs> all over at age 13, 14, 15 to make basically bona fide all star teams. Yes. So I played, uh, you know, I played all the way through uh, minor bantam. And after that, I played major triple A and uh, got drafted in the second round uh, to Valdor. Um, I was listed, uh, you know, pre-draft, maybe late first round, you know what I mean? And I got uh, out uh, second pick of the second round <clears throat> to Valdor. And uh, and that really uh, 
change everything. You know what I mean? Like uh, I had a really good year, uh, midget AAA as a 15, uh, yeah, as a 15 year old. I only play one year midget, and uh, to tell the truth, like you know, like I said, I was drafted second, second round in junior, and uh, the team that I get drafted, uh, that was their uh, brand new team in the uh, in the queue, right, in the Quebec League. It was their second year, so they were not really strong. That was like an expansion draft the year before, so uh, I was really fortunate uh, to be able to play as a 16 year old. What pick did you go overall, or uh, in in the second round? What pick was it? Second. I know second round. What was the pick? Second pick, second pick in the second round. How many teams were there though? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, was trying it... to see if I went went higher than you. This yeah. could be this could be huge right now. Yeah, it was it 12 team? I think 12 or 13 teams, right? Oh, that's it in the Quebec Major Junior yeah. back then. Oh, back wow. then, yeah. Holy jumping! Okay, yeah. So really fortunate. My team was uh, like you know what I mean. Like I don't want to break. You know what I mean? Like put my teammate down but like we were they were not that strong so like that's the only reason you know i mean that i made the team as a 16 year old i learned i played if i would have been on a better team like you know i mean i would have probably go play another year midget you know what i mean like but uh so so stop right there for a second so yeah. after your first year junior 94 95 it's the year before your nhl draft year you had four you played 48 games you had five goals 14 assists Okay. Were Correct. you a healthy scratch most of those games? Is that or did you get hurt? No. Uh so like um what happened at the beginning of the season is that I had a uh appendectomy, like my appendix. Okay. So uh I uh I didn't start the season right away. When I came in to play my first game, that's a funny story. My first game in junior, I scored a goal and I got my ass kicked in a fight, like really bad. <laughs> And I made the like you know like the news and everything because like uh, I went in the fight like you know we would face first with my head my hands were not even up so I got my ass kicked broken they nose didn't even, so, they didn't even show your goal on the news they just yeah they, they, just, they, they just showed a goal and they showed me went down pretty quick and uh, <laughs> and uh, right after that like I said like I didn't miss a game the rest of the season I just went and play so okay uh, so at no. the end of that year at the end of that year are you going in to the next year thinking that you could be drafted in the NHL or was there any kind of rumbling? Did you have an agent? Was there any kind of speculation on, because normally if a kid's going third overall, then they know the year before that he's, you know, that kid's nope. probably already ranked in the top 10 going into the season. No, tell the truth. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I was not even thinking of like, yeah, obviously we're talking about the draft, right? Because everybody know everybody knew it was 17 year old. Like that was my, my draft year. Uh, but like, I was not even ranked. Like, you know what I mean? Nothing was there. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I did have an agent, uh, but we were just like more talking about like, okay, like next season's a big season. And uh, what happened is just that, you know what I mean? Like being around like 19 year old and 20 year old and my roommate at that time, uh, he was 20 and he was the captain kind of told me during the season. It's like, he's like, dude, you know, you got to get stronger. Right. And I mean, like, you know, I was fast, right. But I was not strong enough to be able to play a full season on the top line. Right. I was playing like, you know, PK at 16 year old, I was on the PK and just try to go draw penalties because like I was fast and light. And, uh, every time I got pushed, I was literally on the ice. So like, uh, I put a lot of time and effort that summer of training, uh, but that was more like, you know, legs stuff and get strong on my feet and skating. So 
you guys probably uh, remember Gaetan Boucher, the yep. speed skater. Yes. Yep. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, a lot of NHL guys were training with him and uh, junior guys. So, like, that summer I trained with him uh, to do, uh, you know what I mean, like, all summer. And I really changed everything. Uh, totally changed my game and everything. So, when I came back to training camp at 17, uh, I was just so confident, like, strong on my feet. And uh, boom, right away. Like, you know, play on the first line and just everything click. Uh, I played with a guy that was drafted already. Uh, my sentiment was Stefano Wad at that time. Like, he was put, like, got drafted the second round in St. Louis. The guy really serious about hockey and everything like that. So, it really helped me as well. And, uh, and a 20-year-old. So, so, okay. So, you start the season off well. Is there like a, a, a an NHL report, midseason report that had you ranked somewhere? Because I know you played in the CHL top prospects game that year. Like, tell us about that year. When did you first realize, JP, that you were going to be a high draft pick? Well, before oh, like he answers said- that, hold on one second. Just so you, the, the people that are listening, understand the difference between your first year and your second year. First year you came into the league, you had 48 games played. You had five goals. 19 points, 24 penalty minutes. Your second year, once you talked about, you know, dealing with your skating coach and 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 uh, um, Boucher, uh, the power skating coach, and 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 you gaining strength and putting the time and the effort in your game. Your second year in the league at age 17, which is your draft year, 66 games played, 48 goals, 105 points. 109 penalty minutes for a 17 year old go to the playoffs absolutely insane your playoffs where that's where the the, all the scouts are watching you at 12 goals in 13 games 20 points now just quickly on your penalty minutes is it safe to assume you got like a vast majority of those revisor infractions (laughs) no you're gonna love this one uh (laughs) this is a true story guys 10 minutes eh? if we didn't get those in the o i would have had 500 if we could have had so so my coach at that time was uh, came to me and said, listen, it's your draft year. You're playing really well. You're getting the points, but you got to put your pimps off. You know, and the scouts, like, you know what I mean? They want that. So you're going to have to drop the gloves a few times, like pick a guy, not to go and, you know what I mean, to get your, your butt kicked, but like make sure that you go in and, you know what I mean? You just put your pims up, like just drop just the gloves a few times. Just go fucking tune up the smallest guy <laughs> on the ice. <laughs> so, so like we... Uh, we're playing and it's this is a true story uh we're playing and uh against Halifax and I'm getting my ass kicked in front of the net like cross check in the ribs and the back in the head and I just lost it turn around and drop the glove right you know what I mean like just like in a moment and I turn around and it's the biggest he was a goon his name was Joel Terrio like after he, he retired he went play like in that Quebec league and uh, even did like uh MMA fight and stuff like that. He was tough. Like, he was big. And I can see his eyes. Like, you know, he was so happy. He was going to kill me. You know what I mean? Like, when somebody come with a smile and he's looking at me, I'm like, oh, my God. Right? I Right there, I realized that I was not going to survive this. So I backed up. Right? I mean, so he, he, he starts skating towards me and he take his helmet off. And back then, right, th- you take el- your helmet off, you get, like, another 10. Right? So I'm not – I'm shaking my head. I'm like, I'm not taking my helmet off. And he's yelling at me, right? Just like, take it off, take it off. And I'm, I'm waving my head, no, no, no. And I'm screaming, no, no. And so, like, the refs jumps in, 
right? I mean, so we didn't have to fight, right? But I dropped my glove first, right? But we didn't fight. So he's losing his mind in the penalty box. We got a two minute each. That's it, right? How, so what we are came you, off. How are you feeling in the box? Oh my God. I'm looking at the bench. I'm looking at my tough guy. I'm like, buddy, you got to help me out here. And and was back then, lucky enough, right? It was not four on four, right? You know what I mean? Like, it was not like, okay, four on four. four oh, that's minutes. right. Like, Coincidental penalties were still five yes, on five. So we both in the box. Whistle. We had to wait for the whistle, right? So the whistle, thank God, because he's looking at me and he's yelling at me in the box. We coming out, right, on the whistle, and he's still, like, coming at me and screaming the rest are there. Like, you know what I mean? And he just lost his shit, and he just go and slash me, right? I mean, like, so hard, like, in my chest that he got suspended right there. When did you know? When did this the scouting report come out that indicated what you were doing that year for the draft? Well, not even two months in, in the season. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh... I was uh, leading, not leading, but I was like in the top 10 of like uh, goal scoring in the queue and like top 10 in the CHL for a 17 year old. And uh, that's when it everything changed. Scouts were coming to watch us play more, uh, brought a lot of scouts in. And uh, and it was uh, there was a lot of fun playing that way because, you know, there's always somebody watching every game. Right. Doesn't matter if it was at home or on the road uh was uh was pretty cool uh but obviously around christmas when the list came out for the chl like prospect game uh that was pretty neat and i got there playing the prospect game and uh um back then like there was a draft i went first uh uh well first for my team with uh, uh with don cherry you know drafting a french canadian guy that was a pretty uh pretty funny moment but uh uh I had a chance to play my first time. I play with that. I play against Danny Briere, like in junior, right? I mean, like you play for his team. I play for my team, play a lot against each other. But uh, that was the first time we played together. Uh, me, Danny, and actually Frankie Metot was our line. That was our line. And uh, like I finished, like Frankie finished uh, with, a, I think, was a goal. No, three assists, I think. Or a goal and an assist, something like that. I think I Danny, B, with... Danny B had four assists. How, like how good was yeah. Danny B in junior? Oh my he had, goodness! He had four assists in the prospect game that night. He should have, and tell the truth, like you know, what I mean, I'm not. He should have won the player of the game. You know what I mean? Like those four assists, they were legit four number one assists. They were not like second assists. But uh, yeah, Danny B in junior, he was just like he, he he was shifty. He was so good, and it's the same thing with him. He was strong, you know, light and strong. He was 17 in his first season, uh, one rookie of the year, just flying. Do you want there. me to tell you Danny B's points in junior? Oh, go ahead. So he played crazy. for Drum. He played for Drummondville in his very first year in the league. Seventy-two games played, he had fifty-one goals, a hundred and twenty-three points. His second year in the league, sixty-seven games played. So this is obviously when he would have been how old? This is when he was seventeen years old. Seventeen. He had sixty-seven games played, sixty-seven goals. 163 points which yeah, i don't think which, i don't think he played at uh, 16 though no, i think he played at 17 17 yeah so, so he played 17 18 19 but still unbelievable numbers as like yeah yeah and he does was, this uh, bother you does this bother when you hear the ontario and the western hockey league guys say oh yeah he got 67 goals and 163 points but if you were playing in the ohl you'd have 100 points 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, back then, yeah, it was always the same thing, right? I mean, it was the same oh thing after God. that. Like, well, if it would have been in the Western League too, like, I mean, it would have been even lower. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, our league was uh, creating offense, you know what I mean? And go back then, all the goalies in the NHL, every team had a French goalie pretty much, starting or backup. There was just a league that created How many offense. first rounders from yeah. the, when we, when you and I were being drafted, so you were drafted, uh, what year were you drafted? 96. So I was 92, but when we, when we were growing up in, in, in the nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, there was all of the top goaltenders came from the Quebec major junior. And maybe it was because they had like 70 shots a game or 50 oh, yeah. shots. A and game. that's, that's exactly what the game was based like offense. Right. I mean, it was all about offense and like creating, uh, you know, scoring chances. Like, you know, we had like, you know, some toughness and stuff like that, but nothing like was not like every line. It was line by line, like roles and, uh, and a lot of games were finishing seven, six. Right. I mean, like, I play like, you know, when my draft year, you know, I mean, my roommate was Robert, uh, Roberto Luongo, right? All of Famer goalie, like now, you know, I mean, works for the yeah. Panthers, like a 16 year old, like it's the same thing. He got the first star of the game, like one time, and we won 5 4, right? And he had the first star because he made, like, I think, like 60 saves. Like, yeah, you know that, what I mean? like, that was the thing. Goalies were, goalies were getting draft high in from the Quebec League with higher 
goals against average because they were getting shelled with shots and and you know the goals to shot ratio was it was incredible they would still save or still let in four goals on like you said 55 60 shots every single night um yeah you finish up your season you have unbelievable playoffs you go to the draft did you know you were going in the top five did you know you were going to the islanders well i you know i mean like i had a pretty like i said like you know i mean like everyone telling me like oh man you know what i mean like you're gonna be top five you're gonna be top five so like i had a pretty good feeling about it you know what i mean like and like i said like i had a i had to go talk to every team like around the like you know like in the nhl uh back then uh, there was no combine right i mean so you had to go to pretty much every team that was interested in you and you had to do like the vo2 the wingate every those tests with every team yeah. so i did that for a while like you know when the season was over until the draft uh i didn't have i had no idea i didn't tell the truth i didn't think i was going to new york Islanders. i thought i was going to washington at that time like i really had good meetings with them and i really felt that they were uh you know really interested when i met with new york Islanders and milbury and stuff like that like i didn't feel like uh, that uh you know and i was wanted there you know what i mean like uh, it was really strange and uh strange feeling like to a room and like the only guy that really seems to be wanted to be in a room was darcy Darcy was the New York Islanders at that time, right? Darcy was the GM for uh, New York Islanders. Uh, not the GM, I'm sorry. He was, uh, Milbury was the GM. Darcy was maybe assistant GM or like, you know, but Darcy was in the room. Hockey so. hockey ops guy. Something like yeah. that. So, so that you know was I mean? where Darcy learned about you. I think so. I think so. That's when it all started, like, you know, with Darcy, because Darcy was, in the, was there for the New York Islanders at that time. Because then, so you end up getting drafted third to the Islanders. You get traded from the Islanders to Chicago. Yeah. How soon after you were drafted did that trade happen? Because you never played for the Islanders. No. So I went to two training camp, uh, you know what I mean, in Long Island. And uh, my first training camp, like, uh, Rivs, you're going to remember that too, because uh, you, you remember, like, especially, like you said, 92. Back then, you know what I mean? Like training camp in the NHL was really like, you know, those guys were coming in like to get in shape, right? The vets, like they didn't do anything all summer, right? <laughs> remember that, Riffs? Well, I, I can just remember being in the Montreal locker room, okay? Sir, not the locker room, but where they, where, where they got dressed, okay? And there was probably eight or nine stalls that had equipment hung up that had not been touched from the year before <laughs> yeah well so just to come back right so like that's my first training camp right i had a really good uh you know season at 17 i that summer again train train do the same thing i show up for my first uh training camp in long island and first few days first few uh days i'm flying i'm like oh my god man this is easy like those guys like you know like they cannot like they cannot do anything. Back then was Paul Fee, like Scott Lachance, and all those guys were there, but like they didn't do anything all summer. So the first three three days, like I'm the best player on the ice. I'm like, oh my goodness, like there's no way I'm not making the team, right? And a week later, like everyone started catching up, and I'm like, whoa, okay, those guys are men. There's a lot of men out there. It's definitely uh not the same as the first two days uh, of training camp. So uh, did not make the team and uh, went back to junior. Uh, had a really good year there again. Uh, yeah. Went back again to Long Island for the my second year. Didn't did not sign a contract yet. And uh, 
again, right? I have a training camp, right? Played every game, play every exhibition game, send me back to junior, played. And that's my last year junior. That's when I like scored so many goals that year. And I know five games. You don't have to say it. I know it was the cue, but uh, that was a big season for me, goal, goal scoring wise. 55 games, 57 goals, 42 assists, 99 points, 19 playoff games, 31 goals, 15 assists. So did you go down to the June 1st wire to sign? So um, I sign. Because for those for those listening, there used to be a rule and it might still be in effect that if you were if you were drafted as a as a 18 year old. You had you go back to junior for two years, and if you didn't sign on June first, you re-entered the draft. But you had until yeah. midnight on June first. Yes, it was a Friday, if I'm not mistaken. It was a Friday. It's funny because that year, like I said, with playoff, with uh, you know, like my season, the playoff Memorial Cup, I score uh, like if I'm, I think it was like 91 goals that year. And Melbury came out publicly and said like what Riv said, right? that's not enough. It's not a good league and blah, blah, blah. So, so I'm like, Oh gosh, you know I mean? I'm going back to the draft and I was pretty excited because like at that point, man, you know what I mean? I was fed up with like, you know, all the comments that Melbury was making. And you know what I mean? Like, because he was not saying that to me or my agent, it was coming out of the like Montreal newspaper and he was coming out publicly. Okay. I'm going back to the draft and that's fine. Right. I mean, I was looking forward to it. Like I had a really good season. So I'm like, okay, I'm going you're back going to the back, draft. You're going, you're going first round again. Because oh, I would like my, with the numbers, I thought so. that would have been my draft year. Yeah, I really thought I would have done the same thing with the numbers. But uh, at ten thirty at night, that Friday night, my agent called said like, "Hey, they uh, they just sent a contract. Uh, the numbers, it's exactly like what you're supposed to get." So I'm like, "Well, good. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to take a chance because my agent said like, you know, sometimes teams know each other, and like now, like I could have just go back to the draft and maybe skip to the second round or third round, right? So I signed." Pretty happy, still signed my first initial contract. So I go out, right? I mean, and I just go crazy with my friends in Montreal, blah, blah, blah. Next morning, eight o'clock, my agent called. He said, like, uh, hey man, you just got traded to Chicago. So I'm like, oh man, this is the best thing ever happened to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was so happy. Like, obviously, like I know, like, you know, what I mean, I was not gonna be able to play there. Like Milbury was just literally like it's all about Milbury. Like uh we're playing an exhibition game. Uh, on the road, right? And back then, like, you know, to, we flew to Toronto and uh, we had to bus, right? But uh, before the last game and the exhibition game, like, they they told me, like, hey, uh, we're going to send you down after the game. So I had to bring my luggage with me, right? And back then, it was a commercial flight. Remember, we flew commercial. Yep. So I had to wait, go wait for my bag uh, because, like, I had to check in on my by myself. So, like, they left me at the airport. Like Fish, Eric Fisher was on that team. Like he was a French guy. He was helping me out. And he's like, you know, he's like, I had to call him because he had a cell. So I had to uh, borrow somebody's cell at the airport to call him. I didn't have a cell. Eric Fisher was the goaltender. Yes. He was my, he was my first uh, goal, uh, goal I ever scored. Oh, nice. Yeah. Way, way to make this conversation about you. Always. <laughs> but anyway, um, so Melbourne didn't want to wait. So they left me at the airport. So I had to find a ride from uh, Toronto airport to go to Peterborough to play an exhibition game. And, uh, you know what I mean? So I had to jump with the trainers, like, you know, where they have the equipment bags and stuff like that from the airport. You know, I just got lucky. They were still there. So I jump in the back. I'm literally sitting in the back with all the bags. 
to go. I get there and I play the game. They, they still make me play the game, right? And they send me down. And I'm like, okay, like this guy, he, he wants to see like, you know, what I'm made of or he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> I couldn't believe like what had just happened. And when I got traded, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Going to Chicago, things didn't go really well. Like I said, turning pro was a big step from junior to pro. Didn't come easy. I don't understand that though. You had nine goals in twenty-five games as a as a twenty-year-old, and fifteen points in twenty-five games. In what kind of expectations were on you? More than that? No, but like I said, like what happened is uh, when I my first seven games that I get called up, and this is like you know what I mean. Like don't get me wrong, like. I, you, Peter, you know me, man. I have so much respect for anybody who plays in the NHL, especially back then. Like everybody had a role, play your role, like, and that's all you stick around, right? My first uh, six games that I get called up, right? You know what I mean? So I'm playing in the American League, right, in Portland, Maine, and I'm just scoring goals like left and right, right? Everything's 32 going goals well. in 50 games. Yeah, like really, right, for a rookie, like, you know, like I'm, everything's going really well. And, uh, I get called 14 out. 14 assists. You could fucking pass the puck a little more, though. I, I was a shooter back then. <laughs> uh, oh, back then, yeah. <laughs> so when I what happened is like I'm getting uh, called up, right? So I just score a hat trick, play like 20-something minutes in the minor, right? Get called up, and I'm playing with Bob Probert and Mark Jensen on the fourth line, and I play seven minutes, right? No power play, no nothing, right? I mean, and what? So... Those guys yeah. got seven minutes. <laughs> no, <Fuck> right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? And, and I, I, I love those guys, Jensen, Proby, like they were unbelievable. Like, you know, good, good pro, right. And they were talking to me, like, I mean, it was just, just unbelievable. But I, at that time, like, you know what I mean? Like I get called up to play in the fourth line. So like, I didn't know, I, I didn't go in and dump the puck, right. I was trying to make plays and nothing was working because obviously like I didn't have like the players to play that style with. Uh, yep. grinders like go get the puck deep and go get it and you know turn up my first six games were playing with those guys so what happened is Dirk Graham got fired and uh Lauren Mulliken was the assistant coach at that time took over and uh, I get called up and uh we we're uh going on the road trip so like I had a chance to go early and I practiced with Eric Daze and uh Joseph Mara at that time so like you know what I mean so we were the second line and uh so practice like a few days and go play in San Jose and boom, scored two goals that game. And it just, boom, that's when it just really, everything opened up. Like you said, like I had like 25 games, I had nine goals and like, you know, but like my first seven, like I did, I did my first six, I didn't do anything. It was uh, my first seven, my eighth game in San Jose. That's when I start, uh, you know, I mean, putting the puck and the points in and I change everything. But uh uh, I don't know what happened if the coach doesn't get fired and like, and the new coach comes in and try to change. Were you playing uh, in the exhibition game with the Hawks against the Washington Capitals when there was a big fight under the stands between the general managers? Yes, I was there. Who who was the? It was the general manager from. It was the president from. Uh, it's McPhee. George McPhee. Yeah. And who did he? Who was he fighting in the hallway underneath? He was in a suit, wasn't he? Uh, yes, but I, I cannot tell you who it was. I don't remember, but yeah, I was there like, right. So, so, so Riv, what, what happened was, I think this was a neutral site game and it was between the Washington Capitals and the Chicago Blackhawks. Cause my brother played in this game too, JP. And I think the, the caps didn't dress. It was like one of the last exhibition games of the preseason. 
Yeah. And the Caps didn't dress any tough guys. I think they dra- they dressed like all their regular team, but like no tough guys. And yeah. Chicago dressed Probert, Remy Royer, Dennis Bonvie, Ryan Vandenbush, and it just turned into a complete shit we show. We were tough. We were those tough. were uh <laughs> those were and those were some of my scariest times that, that I've ever been through, you know, when I was just, you know, going when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, you would go to those rookie camps, you would go to those rookie games, and there would be four other teams that you would show up there with the Rangers and Carolina or whatever. And you would play all the other three teams in the weekend. And I just remember those that situation, that weekend of training camp was the worst and scariest moments of my entire career from junior hockey at age 17, all the way to the end of my career at age 37, 38, those couple years of going to that, um, those tournaments exhibition games against the other rookies, it was scary because I mean, other teams brought all of their toughest players. They were there to fight. They were there to make a statement. And the problem with me is I was not a fighter. I was not a tough guy, but I would stick up for myself, which, which was like the other tough guys on the other teams knew I would fight and knew they can beat the wheels off me, like just beat the shit out of me. And that made me feel uncomfortable because I was going to fight. Didn't matter who it was. And I was going to get my ass kicked. And it was just a bad situation because there were so many fighters. And we're talking, we're talking savagery. We're not talking the fights of today. We're talking guys that are smashing each other in the face, blood's pouring out of their nose, their lip, cut over the eye. I, I mean, these guys were terrible hockey players. Like we're talking, you know, mid to late nineties where the tough guys were like, I mean, they were, and and we're talking the tough guys, not that, that were in the NHL guys that can, those guys were trying to prove we're talking about the minor league guys or guys out of junior hockey that literally barely could skate, but they were as tough as you could possibly imagine. Just wanted killers, just wanted to get noticed. So what got you to Buffalo? 